0: In this Seicho podcast episode, Andrew and I talked to Karim, the current head of marketing at Madpaws, on his journey in rocket internet to starting his own business and now at Madpaws. As usual, this podcast is best at 1.5 times and if you could share your feedback at support at seicho.com.au, that would be freaking awesome. And Seicho is spelled S-E-I-C-H-O. Enjoy! Welcome to the Sage Show podcast. Today, we actually have a guest who we've been really, really excited to have. Um, as usual, we have Andrew and David. Hey. But before we introduce the guest, he worked for The Iconic back in 2013, was their senior digital manager, and then became Panda's global head of search engine marketing um, and I think that was in Europe. I'll let him expand on that in a second. He started his own business called Billy Six's Safari back in 2017. And now he's current, He's the current head of marketing for Paws. Welcome, Karim. We're so happy to have you.
1: Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. Very excited <laughs> to be here.
0: We're going to get started with the Rocket Internet days. Sure. Cool. Um, I don't know if we can refer to them as Rocket Internet, but we knew that the Iconic and the Food Panda belong to their portfolio. So maybe let's let's start with let's start with the early days, like of the iconic and food panda. What was that like? Sure. You know, especially working for them.
1: Sure. I think it's it's an interesting question that I'm actually asked quite a bit. So how about I ask you guys yeah, yeah. externally? Yeah. What, what's your interpretation of Rocket Internet and the ventures that they run? Yeah, and mm-hmm. I'll give you my perspective from the inside. Oh, that's that. fine.
2: Okay. You want to go first? Uh, well, I could go f- first, I guess, because I interviewed with, um, I think it was <laughs> Stefan Bruin, like the, oh, the guy, right. yeah, yeah, that like early, early yeah, early, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, like I think that like he seemed like a really kind of like focused and driven kind of dude. And I've heard things about Rocket too, like being very kind of like aggressive and stuff. And I mean, I, I, don't know, like I mean, I just hear things, so yeah. uh, I kind of go off that. But yeah, when I, when I was uh, interviewing with him. He was talking about... I just remember one of the questions he was asking is like, how would you manage a million keywords? And my question, my answer back was, why do you need to manage a million keywords? Yeah. And because uh, I didn't know if it was a trick question or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel that they were just kind of... like They, they had this kind of vision. They knew where, where they wanted to go, but they were just kind of... I felt the aggressiveness. I don't know, like that's just my opinion. And that's what I've heard as well. So yeah, yeah that's that's all I'm going to say on that. I think, <laughs> I think uh, my...
0: My understanding of what Rocket Internet or, or and their ventures are essentially, this is a very crude understanding. Please correct me if I'm wrong. No, but no, this is your
1: this is your interpretation of what you mean. <coughs> this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're very much like,
0: you know, taking. Um, I'm not sure if if it's the right term to describe them either as an accelerator or private equity. Um, type company that they're replicating business successful business models from either the U.S. or another area, and then bring it across to another country who where the business model currently doesn't exist or it's underutilized. They get some really fucking awesome people, put them all together, and then just run.
1: Um, that's that's how yeah, I saw good. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, very good. It's interesting to hear those uh, interpretations of it. I tell you what, and they're both they're both very very on par um, with what Rocket is, which you know, Rocket, they get called copycats, they get called many different things, right? Mm. In the end of the day, they are builders, yeah? Mm. They are builders, and that's, that's ultimately what I am. I'm a company builder, I'm mm. an executor. I'm not gonna sit there and think of the next innovative thing that's gonna take us to Mars or anything like that. (laughs) But I tell you what, if you have a business plan, I'll fucking get us to
2: Mars. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: And that's that's basically what Rocket does. They've got best practices, they Mm. can rinse and repeat across different markets with different business models. Mm. Every business model is different though, and it's gonna have its different challenges. Mm. If you look in Southeast Asia, they launched e-commerce, they launched fashion, they launched food delivery, yeah. And they tried they all launched off the same product, yeah, Mm. off the same platform, sorry. But then they had to adapt teams you couldn't have the same product team you couldn't have the same local design team the same customer support team the same marketing team yeah they localize, and that's what they that's what the reason why they're so successful they're really mm. fucking aggressive with marketing mm. yeah and they're absolute exec- executing like executing wizards mm. and that's um it was a hell of a place for me to learn my trade mm, you know, I yeah. spent four years under the rocket internet universe or I actually sometimes I, I you pretty much call it like rocket internet university yeah <laughs> uh, because you go there and you learn so much so fast mm. or at least you did in my time you know um i think it's evolved a little bit yeah. uh, now because they're not so much they've taken more the investment approach from what i see in the media and things like that okay um and they're really more now backing uh backing founders rather than being the hands-on approach but okay. you know it's a combination of people who are uh you know people who have got experience executing across previous businesses, whether that be within Rocket or companies that they've acquired or other companies that are from the United States or anywhere, or China. Mm. And uh, high achievers. High achievers with a good fucking attitude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, some people don't last last long in a rocket. It is tough. It is. It is. Uh, it's very direct. There's no. There's no bullshit. Mm. You know, like you said when you met Stefan it's like you could see the vision that they were talking about. Mm. And it's basically you're either fucking jumping on this rocket ship because we're going to Mars. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. You're either on it and you're all in on it. You buy into this. You buy into the growth culture, the growth mindset. Mm. You're gonna have a hell of a journey along the way. Yeah. We're not 100 percent sure how we're gonna get there but I tell you what you'll be able to write an awesome
2: book about it once we do
1: Mm. and that's basically yeah that's rocket internet in a summary
2: I I do agree with that because I do remember the other thing he he was saying to me because I just got I just got married at the time and he was like saying that um, if I got the job um, that I'd have to stay back till like 12 or something like that and it's gonna kind of, you you might have to pretty much like he was hinting you might have to sleep in the office you know like because it, it was like early sure. iconic days but it, like yeah. I remember walking in it was just like it looked like a big warehouse with yeah, like a yeah. guy sitting at a desk and a computer and there was like nothing much else going on so it was yeah. kind of like ground zero yeah. Well, um, man, yeah my 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 first recollection of like
1: the iconic was when I went in for an interview, and it's actually a really interesting story about how this all came about. Right? Okay. Yeah. I was working at a small search agency that was just targeting small, very, very small, medium-sized businesses. Mm. Yeah. They had like many thousands of clients on micro budgets. Okay. Not a scalable uh, agency model whatsoever. Mm. But I was shopping online one night for Ben Sherman shirts.
2: Oh yeah. And I, I
1: I remember this so well. Um. Because I was shopping online for Ben Sherman shirts, and this ad popped up on Google. Obviously, as search marketing manager myself, I was mm. like, oh. Who the fuck are these guys? And this is before <laughs> The Iconic had done any of their bus advertising, yeah. they had done any of their TV or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And I clicked on the ad and it sent me to the homepage. Mm. Me, the digital marketing manager I am, and I'm like, I wonder if they have a Ben Sherman landing page on here yeah. and why it's not sending me there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and then I looked through and I, I saw, I found their brand's page and I was scrolling through and I found all these brands that they had. And I was like, why are these guys not investing in digital marketing and they've got all these brands mm. that are amazing, like they must have, they must be doing something right. Mm. Maybe you know, I wonder if there's any jobs available. And I looked online on their jobs page and I literally saw a job for head of SEM. And I was like, shit, man, I've been in SEM for like two years or just under two years. I don't know if I'll be able to be a head of SEM, but I was like, you know, my attitude is always, if you don't ask or you don't try, you're Mm -hmm. never gonna do anything. So I literally sent them an email and I was like, the headline, I remember it so vividly. And I I look at this email every like, probably every every couple (laughs) of years now, and it's like, head of SEM, junior SEM, any SEM. That's what I said, <laughs> yeah? That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. And I sent them my CV and I sent them that example and funnily enough, I, I got an interview. Yeah. I had a uh, lady call me and I, I went in, she was a HR manager and she was like, can you meet with the managing director? He's currently overseas speaking with investors or some stuff and I'm like, still didn't understand the concept of investors or anything like that, you know? I was just like, you know, just doing SEM for plumbers in Sydney <laughs> before this. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I go into Mary Street, the office at the time and I was just mind blown, okay? Mm. I walk in there, I get up there to, I think that was level three. I step out there, there's like accents from all corners of the globe. There's people working on barbecue tables. Yeah. There's models walking past. There's like <laughs> green boxes in the corner for Hello Fresh. Yeah, there's yeah. a company called Glossy Box, that's no longer in Australia. Like makeup products all over there, I'm like, I was literally like, "What the fuck is this? What is this, and how do I get involved?" Because the one thing that they all had that made me feel really like I wanted to be involved is they had this like crazy, like controlled madness where everything was just complete chaos, yeah. but everyone was so focused on like doing something. Mm. Everyone had a mission. It mm. may not have been everyone focusing on the right things because it was so crazy <laughs> yeah. uh, and so early days, but it was just like holy shit, this place is like, something's happening here. Yeah. You know? And then I met with the co-founder, managing director at the time, uh, the co-founder, and then he was also MD at the time, Finn Hansel. And yeah, he just, he basically sold me the dream. You know, yeah. and he was like, what do you think about travel? We could potentially send you for Berlin for training. And here I was, I was like 21 at the time, man, you know, literally. And he, I remember it was so, he said to me like, what do you, um have you ever heard of startups? And I was like, yeah, I've never, <laughs> never heard of a startup before. I told him like, a couple months later that I lied to him. Um, And I'm not a liar. So that's why I just buckled under the pressure because I was still like coming to terms with models walking past, like, you know, people walking in with delivery boxes, it was just really overwhelming. Um, (laughs) And yeah, he just sold me this big dream. But the one thing that he really uh, inspired me to join was he was like, I'm managing director, I have a team of like 10 people, they're all from overseas, you'd be the first local Australian that we'd hire, Hmm. Uh, because Rocket, you know, rinse and repeat, like I said, they bring people in from other ventures. Um, But he's like, I currently manage Facebook right now. I think it's the best channel, blah, 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 blah. Like, just chatting with him, I'd done a little bit of Facebook marketing at the time. I could tell that he was doing it, but he had no idea what he was doing, Mm. you know what I mean? Um, But I was just just like, man, I can just tell if there's an opportunity to do something or if you have an idea, this guy's gonna let me do it. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I was just like, fuck yeah, I wanna do this. So I started and then like literally a month later, Um, I was sent off to Berlin for two weeks of training. Yeah, And I got introduced, I I spent like two weeks every single day in the Rocket Internet headquarters. Okay, wait, 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 (laughs) wait, 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 wait,
0: Wait, wait, hold on, so so for the Berlin side, what was that kind of training phase for that two weeks?
1: Because they would have put you through a lot. Yeah, it was just like, because Rocket's got these best practices, right? Yeah. As I said, rinse and repeat. They had Orlando, which turned out to be eBay. They had Zalando, which they started, which was yeah. like their online shoe store. Mm. You know, they're very similar to like the Zappos business model in America. Yeah. They got these best practices on marketing channels. Yeah. yeah. And I remember starting, <coughs> got, I was given access to their AdWords account when I was still in Sydney. And um, yeah, I saw this account structure that was just so detailed. Yeah. So detailed and just so like, Awesome. It took yeah. me a while to get my head around it um, because also the head of SEM at the time was in Singapore because she was struggling to get a visa into Australia. That was yeah. a whole nother thing about Rocket with the um, and whatnot. But um, yeah, I was just like, they're like, okay, you're gonna go to training, you're gonna go for training in Berlin. And I didn't realize the significance of it at the time. Yeah. But when I was there, I, you know, that two weeks it's like you're spending time with the global head of SEM at rocket spending time with the global head of display marketing speaking with like experts in each of their departments but like experts that have like they're not necessarily talking about it but they can show you on paper what they've done mm. you know what i mean oh and yeah you sit down and you mm. just it just comes That's where i realized how much of a dry sponge i need to be yeah, yeah yeah get these people to like me and just shut up and listen to them yeah okay i
0: i really want to ask about Cause you were mentioning you were talking about the detailedness of the account structure i don't know how much you can tell us in terms of how detailed it was we've seen some very detailed structures but i imagine the rocket internet ones are like mind-blowingly like completely mm. different can yeah. you at least give us give us a hint
1: of like what that was like well, it's 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 a it's a strategy that like it was good at its core but like i said to you guys every company that starts with a rocket internet footprint needs to evolve needs to localize needs to implement their own best practices
0: yeah
1: i came from something that i thought was good for like plumbers who were on like five dollars a day and now (laughs) spending like you know upwards of like you know very close to like uh, a quarter of a million dollars a month Mm. um just on non-branded keywords you know what i mean so i saw like a whole another level of detail you can't just be running like the keyword shoes um, on, on broad match you know what I mean <laughs> so you break it out and you think about how many different yeah. combinations there are how many different uh, match types there are and how they're not competing with one another oh mm. that's fun okay yeah. Yeah. and it's it's something that it, it's, en- it's enabled me and I, I've, I've you know personally I, I challenge the best practices a lot once I got my head around it got back to Sydney um, that was when my uh well just before we went to Berlin they hired um, uh, the head, head of SEM who is to this day still like you know one of the most influential people in my career, John Tabari and he went on from to become not only the head of SEM at, at the iconic but also head of online marketing and yeah, he's still a mentor to me to this day, but um, that combination of that that access to that mass amount of information and proven winner strategies mixed in with, like, having the right people around you, mm. which is uh, which was John in that sense, mm. it really enabled me to learn fast, fail fast, which was also a bigger learning in itself, mm-hmm. you know? So when it comes to detail, man, Google, I don't know, I'm putting, putting the iconic on show here, but Google, <laughs> I don't know, I'm sure they're still very good at it, so Google ankle boots. You know and if they're ranking you go to an ankle boots landing page you mm. know you'll have a very detailed ad then look at their competitors it'll be just something some random boots related keyword yeah. right. it'll, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll give you, it gives you an yeah. understanding of what what's good and what's not good so yeah yeah, yeah. wow okay
0: that's a that's a crash course into yeah. the rocket internet world
1: because it's like one of the first
0: first questions we wanted to ask was what are some of the key key struggles Because I I know iconic and food panda was part of that universe. So what were some of the um, earlier struggles mentally going into you know these companies? If you're working on accounts Mm. Um, and if they're really detailed, they have their own kind of like playbooks. How do you adapt to adapt those playbooks to the right Mm. locale, if you will? Because
1: now it's Australia playing in Australia, right? Um, Well, do you mean the personal struggles or business struggles or marketing? Well, what do you mean? Personal first, personal and fuss? then, and then okay. business. I think I didn't recognize it as a struggle at the time, but I, um, I said and and did a lot of dumb shit. Uh, at, I was twenty one. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was twenty one. I was shipped off to Berlin to for two weeks of training. Um, I spent time, you know, working with some real industry experts. Went to the Google office in Berlin. All these different things. I, I. It, gave me, I was very proud of the work I was doing, but then I didn't realize, like, not everybody was had that opportunity. Yeah. And even mm-hmm. some people within the marketing team didn't have that opportunity, you know? So, you know, I, um, I'm, I've always been a very direct person, but, you know, You can be direct when you speak with a lot of substance, and that's what I've noticed as my career's progressed because Mm. my experience speaks for itself. But before, my delivery wasn't always that good. Mm. Okay, my delivery was always very direct, but it it kind of like came across maybe I was baffling with bullshit a little bit. Mm. I wasn't um I wasn't speaking with facts, and it kind of came across as like misplaced passion. Mm. I would say, right? You know, so that led to a few different struggles. But I was lucky enough. I was I was young, and people saw that I was young, and that in itself, other people. From other departments, not related to marketing, took me under their wing and helped me develop these people skills yeah. um, and these these leadership skills that have gone on to mold me into, you know, hopefully the the, the leader I am today for my marketing team at Madpools, So yeah, good, yeah. yeah. That's the
0: okay. The, uh, we really wanted to evolve the conversation into like a little bit more details towards the SEM side, right? Because yep. um, I know Andrew has mentioned, like Andrew has spoken to me personally a lot about how great some of the guys are in food delivery, uh, um, travel, or even, you know, like mm-hmm. high SKUs with anything with very paper-thin margins. Mm-hmm. And, and the gambling industry
2: as well is like...
0: Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine the, you know, like the pressure that you would have been in kind of moving into Iconic. And I can't imagine the the margins that you were able to work with and to be honest I don't know like mm. the the level of margins like of the room that you have to move but I imagine these guys are really meticulous with mm. um you know the numbers down to the T yeah so was there a transition period into kind of like moving into statistics and like suddenly everything was all about numbers or you already had that mm. like
1: well yeah I think um I learned pretty quick that Excel was going to become my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and analytics as well, whether it be Google Analytics, whether it be any sort of platform they use. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I learned that no matter what, you need to have the right tracking setup, which is always the main thing you want to do very yeah. very early on. Mm. But um, you know, I think if you look at any company, even nowadays, um, even some of the biggest startups in Australia that have raised some pretty big sums, or if you look back at the iconic days as well and um, and other rocket internet companies, to start off with, it's a land grab. Yeah. All right. Let's tell people who the fuck we are. Yeah. Mm. Let's yeah. get it out there. You're spending big bucks across multiple channels, out of home, above the line, everything. All right. And then you have this switch where you're not only just focusing on new customer and CAC growth, you're also focusing on lifetime value. Mm. Okay. Payback period. Different things like that. Um, food delivery. It does seem very paper thin, right? Yeah. But how often do you order food delivery? Almost. If you're. If if it's a habit, it's almost like every second day. Every second day. Okay. Yep. It's 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 a subscription model. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So your CAC can actually be higher than e commerce because the subscription payback, someone will order twice from an e commerce store because how often you're gonna shoot order online mm. versus you're gonna order twice, almost three times, sometimes four times a week. Yeah. yeah. You're looking at like, you know, a, a three dollar markup on a food delivery order per Order full orders per week. You know how many (coughs) orders per month. Times that by six versus those orders in food delivery versus those orders in e-commerce. You pay back. You see, like your your CAC versus lifetime value. Yeah, yeah. depending on how far you want to look. It's not that it's not that paper thin. Mm. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, I got it's you. It's not that paper thin at all because ultimately you're selling a service, and the service is a subscription model. And this is what MadPaws is as well now. Yeah. We're moving into more rather than just being the overnight pet care services. We're now launch. We've launched a very, 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 very awesome product. It's like an. It's we call it like an on demand business, uh, dog walking business. Yeah. It's not really on demand. It's it's a subscription model. Okay, it's time for individuals who need f- their dog walked four times per week. Right. Yeah. <coughs> four times per week. So, mm. uh, whatever the snippet that we take per dog walk, multiply it by four. Multiply it by four. You know, and that's how much we're making <laughs> off this person per per month. Mm. Multiply that by twelve. That's a customer lifetime value. Mm. Yeah. I guarantee you, like like if you take any other business any other uh, you know subscription-based business the cac is naturally going to be 50 percent of that as well yeah mm-hmm. and you, like, it, it means your see CAC, is almost uncapped yeah you know yep. what i mean and then you hone that in on a landing page level or sorry on a landing page a channel level you know you can look it down to almost because you're granular with your keyword structure you're granular with yeah your, your facebook audiences or or you're really targeted in what you're trying to achieve you can really see the payback period once you have that tracking set up at a foundation level yeah mm-hmm. You tag each customer what their marketing channel was, okay? Yes, there's gonna be different attribution touches for repeat business, but if you have that customer tagged at their first purchase, all right, you can measure their lifetime value over time. You've pretty much got your lifetime value at a keyword level. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, We definitely wanna
0: dig into that a little later, Um, (laughs) because one of the things that we we talk a lot about, especially in performance is, now it's all about multi channels uh, as much as you possibly could, right? Uh, before you can kind of get away with single channels and they'll do really well by themselves. Yep. I think we're at a point where it's more about omni channels and like kind of the assist It's like assisting the sl- the dunks, yep. if you will. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and there's a there's a concept in um, finance that's on efficient frontiers, which is like yeah. you, you kind of get to a point where the the performance is not as good as it used to be, yep. and then like how do you like manage that? Yeah. Um, can, can we talk a little bit about that now before we kind of like move yeah, on sure, to sure. like Billy Six and some of the more gangster sure, things you've seen? Because sure, sure, uh, sure. it's just sort of personal interest as well in terms yeah. of like how do you manage that where you get to a point where maybe you spent enough money and what the returns that you used to see, it's just, it's like borderline impossible to kind of get back there.
1: Hmm. Um, well, yeah, of course you're gonna. There's gonna. You, you could reach a plateau in any business, you know. Um, I've only ever been in companies that haven't reached that plateau at a channel level, mm. and if you have reached that plateau, then you need to rethink your strategy, right? Mm. Obviously, it does get a little bit more competitive in the marketplace um, when competitors start bidding aggressively and so forth. But there are ways to grow, you know. Mm. Um, being, you know, channeling all your energy into one marketing channel is definitely a bad idea. But you just need to understand what stage you're trying to influence with a marketing channel. Is it, you know, the very big uh, awareness piece or is it the consideration phase? Is it the conversion phase or the activation phases? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, Honing in on like driving that one metric and your, your funnel is going to move nice and freely and that's what a lot of companies in australia have have figured out i was really shocked when i came back from from uh from berlin yeah. uh, for spending the two years at food panda because when i left not many companies had figured that out yet but yeah. now a lot of people have that yeah. everyone's very good at digital marketing um so yeah i think it's yeah really it comes down to that base uh, tracking level and your numbers, and really yeah. understanding what your numbers are because or what numbers you're trying to move mm. because then you can really. It, it marketing becomes a pulling and pushing lever, pushing of levers, yeah, yeah. And you can test anything, it can be creative, it can be target audiences, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. And if, as long as you're honing in the, on that area of the, the funnel that you want to move, yeah, you're gonna have a good time and you're gonna yeah. see some good results. So, um, or you're gonna fail fast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you brief,
0: yep. briefly mentioned on this, and I definitely want to talk about it while we're still kind of hot on the iron. Um, I, I, you know, we invited you to. To our meetup, and one of the things that you talk about that I'll never forget is the North Star metric, which mm. is like a common term that, um, as long as you're in a growth team or marketing team or even startups, it's a very very common term that we use to just kind of shoot for a single metric. Um, I think one of the recent criticisms on the North Star metric coming from, especially coming from the Valley, is that um, some teams have basically. Um, basically threw everything away and just double down on the nsm and there's nothing wrong with that but the criticism is essentially saying that like hey you know there needs to be quality control when it comes to shoot. like even if you're shooting for everything um there might be some you know secondary metrics that like we need to look at to make sure that we have qa on these you know um, on these results that we're getting what's your take on that in terms of like you know, like basically relentlessly chasing, mm. you know, improving that metric. And yeah. you know, some people are really good at moving metrics yeah. and they do whatever it takes to yeah. move the metrics, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk a little bit about sure. That. Yeah.
1: Well, I think um, I haven't heard about that uh, information out of the valley or anything like that. I don't <coughs> tend to pay too much attention about what comes out of the valley. Um, but I think, you know, if your North Star metric is being influenced by other things or it's having a spillover effect onto other things. It's not north enough. It's mm. not high enough above every other metric. Yeah, yeah, it's not defined as that one metric that everybody in the company can drive towards. Mm. Okay, so a good one that um, I think any company can fall back on um, is revenue. Mm-hmm. You know. But then that's, it's very hard, as I've always said to people, it's very hard for a social media marketing coordinator, somebody who's there to do a job that's really engaging on the front line of our social media channels, yeah. how the fuck is that person gonna drive revenue? Yeah. So you need to break down the KPIs for them, okay? And it's not about how every single person is, oh, I drove $100,000 $100, revenue this month and this person says oh, I drove that, no. I, I drove leads, okay? I had a 50% year-on-year growth in leads from this marketing channel. Mm. Of those leads, of them went on and converted, Mm. okay? So, I now have a benchmark of what I can do to improve mm. on this time last year for year on year growth, mm. month on month growth, week yeah. on week growth, fucking day on day growth, <laughs> to be launching a new marketing campaign. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. If people are saying that it's not broken down mm. enough or it's having a spillover effect, don't get me wrong. Track every fucking metric you possibly can. But if you try to influence every metric at the same time, yeah. you're not going to influence any metric. 100%. It's yeah. like if you try to become too early in your career an expert in all marketing channels, you're going to become an expert in no marketing channel. Hone yeah. in, get that focus on that one metric and move it as best you can. Mm. And unfortunately, if you disagree with that, I think that you probably haven't figured out what your metric is. Yeah, yeah. All right.
0: Um, For... Yeah, no no, no I cut you off. No go no no, on. no, no. no, no and
1: and yeah, some people it's it, it doesn't it's it's a little bit confronting when you figure out that you, when you realise that you haven't actually figured out that metric. Hmm. Yeah. You know? Um can you give us an example of like um a
0: metric that would be north enough for it, it could it could be a fictional company, it doesn't really matter. Mm. Just to kinda of like for the people who don't understand it enough, what would be a metric other than revenue sure would
1: be north enough that like, hey, I can chase after that? Sure. Um I may get the actual figures wrong, so don't sue me, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> um, but oh. there's something along the lines of in the early days of Facebook, and ex head of product at Madpool's, Chris New, told me this one, and this is what really made me realize the power of a North Star metric and having been broken down. It's um, in the early days of Facebook, if somebody had something along the lines of four Facebook friends within, I think it's 11 days, they were a lifetime Facebook user.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Four Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah because if they got over that that mountain that curve they yeah. naturally explode into other networks and networks because it's a social networking platform mm. right yeah, so yeah. once you get to there you expand expanding you you keep on growing you see oh this person became friends with that person and so on network effects kick in yeah. um so that's that's the example of uh of um of uh, Facebook, I say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and
0: it's, it's like the North Star metric for something like the iconic or Food Panda, is just like the lifetime value of a particular customer or like revenue, like overall.
1: Um, or even just like,
0: you know, meal taken or like sure. stuff bought.
1: Sure, well, for back in those days, as I said, I wasn't necessarily, I wasn't responsible for the entire marketing function at those companies. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. a specialist in search marketing and or some areas of performance marketing for me it was majority new customer growth hmm. okay but then it was as i said before understanding which which channels or which campaigns or which keywords drove high quality repeat customer mm. through those new customer acquisition so new customers is the is the is the metric but then we want to look at another subsidiary of numbers yeah and those numbers are going to tell us okay these are great from an acquisition point of view but where are these customers that we're picking up that are transacting every single month on the month for the rest of for the next four years, mm. which which keywords are they coming through? How do we how do we double that conversion rate? Mm. Yeah. Yeah? yeah, 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 yeah. And that's how that's how you break it down to
0: an offsite metric. Oh, I, I, I could feel like some search engine like marketers just like on the other side thinking about like, hey, let me go test out some yeah. more keywords. <laughs> um, so we want to transition a little bit because we talked a lot about like the early um, your you know your Rocket Internet days. Um, want to talk a little bit about your company. Billy Six's Safari is that, yeah. Um, and and I understand that like it was inspired by the 70s counterculture and like kind of like on the future. I'll let you talk about it. Yes, like (laughs) I think we wanted to know a little bit more about like your inspiration or creating something like this. And when we looked at it, it was like very much like the the is that the rebel era, yeah. If you will, like the bikes and like.
1: Look, look, Billy Six's Safari. Um, we basically started out of uh, out of my high school friend Dylan's uh, mum's garage. Oh, okay, nice. and it originally started off with the age old technique of he asked me for a bit of advice. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, I knew he was working on something cool. Um, because he always wanted to get into photography, he's always been into bikes and things like that. Yeah. Um, and he, he ran a couple of t shirts, uh, had a website up and running and stuff like that. And I caught up with him, and him and I we've been friends since we were like twelve years old, starting you know year seven back at Epping Boys in Sydney. So oh, you went to Epping. Yeah. Holy yeah, crap, yeah. I went to Epping. Oh, did you really? I did. There you go. Small world. Small world. Holy we'll crap. catch. You. We'll figure that out later. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we caught up and and um, we caught up at the Ranch Hotel in Sydney actually. Oh. Um, and he showed me his plan showed me his idea and I was just like as I said before I'm uh, maybe it's something I really developed at rocket um, but I think it's something that I've always had in my life I'm not necessarily a a big ideas guy I'm not gonna give you the cure of cancer right Mm. but if you have like if you have a business that is you know dying to become commoditized I'll put it in front of people until they, 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 they're they addicted to it. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're addicted to it. We'll evolve it over time. We'll make it 10 times better. Mm. And I just got hooked by, like, seeing one of my good friends, like, like um, you know, he was so passionate about something that he was working on, but also he was just so open. And it's something that I'm very open about is if you don't know how to do something, like, it, you don't have to pretend that you do, oh, um, you know. And nice. I'm I'm a big believer in that because like if someone like it happens now with my marketing team at Madballs, they're like, I say, all right, guys, we need to do this, and they're like, how? And I'm like, I have no fucking idea, but let's go be, <laughs> it. yeah. be fun when we figure it out. It's gonna be fun when we figure it out, right? And that whole conversation just we just kind of spiraled into many different ideas and things like that. I was giving him insights into Facebook ads, Google ads, um, and yeah, eventually like we just after that we talked almost every day for um, for a couple of weeks, and then eventually it was like, dude, you got to come on board. You got to you got to get involved. And I was like, "All right, dude, I'm very busy with Madpaws. You know, I've been with Madpaws for just over probably about a year and a half at the time. Um, but let's see what we can do. Um, I got the got the consent from um, from Alexis um, because we agreed that this isn't going to take over at all during Madpaws' time. And yeah, it just it's basically." The, it's, it's a clothing brand for mm. anybody who wants to live outside of the normal nine to five yeah. who dreams of something bigger and better that doesn't necessarily know how to get it it's, we're trying to inspire to people to you know, be whatever best version they want of themselves but you know it's also a very badass brand Oh, yeah. Look, um, for the
0: for the guys who haven't seen it, you yeah. need to go check it out cuz it's very fucking bad. <laughs> it's very fucking like badass. Yeah. Yeah. And those sunnies, like you got to let us know when they come back. Yeah. Cuz <laughs> that's some bullshit. Like yeah, it's, sorry, it's sold out, <laughs> sorry, dude. Uh, yeah, we're
1: honing in on like, you know, we're honing in on the counterculture, the distressing, the vintage clothing. It's very much so focused on like 1970s Harley Davidson biker <clears> culture, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, it's it's kind of like it's the result of the 70s or 60s hippie era. Um, the rebellion that came after it. We're not necessarily anti-establishment, but we're like fuck your system. We do our thing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's and that's what Billy Success Safari is. It's like, you know, we're not afraid of, um, nah, not afraid of, you know, getting our hands dirty and you know doing some fucking cool shit. It's got yeah. that really uh, easy rider, which is like one of my favorite.
2: Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Definitely, definitely.
0: It, it definitely captures the essence of like her, that era, and I and one of the questions that we actually wanted to mm-hmm. ask you was. How did you manage both Mad Paws and Billy Sixes? Because yeah. I knew you guys were running PR campaigns as well. We'll see you guys yeah. on the news for which one? For Billy Sixes. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you gotta be fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kidding me. Like, what's going well, dude, on? It's it's like, Does d- this guy sleep? Or- <laughs> yeah,
1: Dude, it's it's actually pretty. It's 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 not that difficult. Yeah. It's um. To be honest with you, it's a hell of a lot of fun, Mm. all right? Mm. Um, Luckily, I have my business partner, Dylan, who's also responsible for photography, responsible for the content. That's great. But then also about, originally started as Billy Sixes, Yeah. And then about just just over 12 months ago, uh, we teamed up with uh, our new business partner, Jai. (coughs) Jai was running a business out of Cronulla, a clothing brand called Safari Disco Club. Mm. And it was the same kind of, conversation that stemmed from Dylan who reached out to to me saying, Hey, let's have a chat. Uh, I'd love to get your advice with something. So I was like, hey guys, I got this clothing brand. I know how to make sick products, yeah. Um, but I don't know how like, you know, to sell them on the internet. I also I've tried to take some photos, do some photography and stuff like that, but you know you guys are so much better at uh, at taking photos and I fucking love choppers and Harley Davidson and stuff like that. <laughs> We met him, um, and funnily enough, this is also at the stage where Dylan and I were literally like, man, we, we need to hone in on our product, because at the end of the day, if people don't love what they put on, they're not going to come back. I we can remember. have the best marketing campaigns, the best inc- Instagram aesthetic, all this stuff. We can get the most likes on Instagram, even though it's not even fucking uh, relevant now. Um, <laughs> but none of that matters if our customers don't come back and want to keep buying our stuff. Mm. Yeah. And when we met with Jai, it was, um, yeah, it was a very open and honest conversation, and we were just like, Fuck, this is. I was like waiting for the cameras to come out and say, ah, you got tricked. Because it was literally when Dylan and I were talking about like, what are we going to do next? How do we get a designer in without going broke and having to pay them millions in royalties and stuff like that? Mm. Um, so yeah, we've been teamed up with Jai for like uh, for for about twelve months now. So like having the three of us on board with this, and Dylan is probably the most. Dylan's like working on the business three quarters of his time, also doing some freelance photography, and that takes a lot of weight off my shoulders. Mm. You know, I probably do like one evening on the weekend, uh, one evening during the week. It's usually Monday evening uh, where I we catch up and we have a chat about things that we want to achieve, and then maybe half a day on the weekend. So we did we did do the heavy lifting in the early days and the heavy lifting was just setting the foundations making 100%. sure we have the right tracking making sure we set up the sendal you know rather than yep. australia post so they're not getting ripped off making sure we have after pay set up making sure yep. we're investing in a decent uh decent design and website flow and things like that mm. that stuff was like you know we, i lost my weekends and stuff like that to start off with but yeah. it was also doing something different outside of mad pause gave me this like um it's kind of refreshing you know mm. And, and you the, were front loading a lot of the effort too by doing all this other yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly and like there were questions like um, people would say oh how are you doing both and I could I could tell that there, at one stage I was a little bit concerned because I was wondering if like potentially if like because as you said we got some organic media like we weren't doing any PR that just got picked up by itself oh. Daily, Daily Telegraph ran us uh, Life Without Andy ran us all these different things just because we were doing cool shit and I was like oh fuck I hope I hope that like you know Mad investors don't see this um, but then again I was like you know what it, even if this wasn't my business, and somebody asked me for advice, or asked me for help, I would do it anyway, mm. and put in just as many hours. This isn't taking away from my time at Manpools. Mm. If anything, this is stimulating me more, because you know people who have passions to build motorbikes, they build motorbikes in their spare time. Yeah. People who like to you know cook, or, or anything like that, they cook in their spare time, build mm. a veggie garden, build a pergola out the back of their house. I am genuinely, I live and breathe building companies, whether mm. it be startups, whether it be growth teams within larger corporations. I genuinely love it and I'll do it until the day I die. So for me, it's like, if, if, if they see this as an issue, I'm sorry that they see that, but this is something that, this is my life. This is how I live my life. And I, if anything, it's enabling me even more through the work at Paul's as well, because it's mm. giving me so much more of a big understanding and touch points in marketing and so forth. So That's
2: yeah.
0: That's so great. Because yeah.
1: um, we talk a lot about like, trying to be
0: unapologetically yourself and stop compromising just because of, trying to mold ourselves so that we become who other people want us to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so often we just hide ourselves and we don't even know who we're talking to sometimes on the mm-hmm. other end because they're yeah. not expressing their true self. Yeah. But I think one of the things that you mentioned that um, that is kind of like my, one of my very, very core cool principles is the quality of the product. And one of the things that I, I remember having a chat with this person and he said, it's not the first pizza that matters it's not the first slice it's the second slice that matters mm-hmm. when, it, when the first slice is so good that you come back for a second slice that's kind of how you know yeah, that you're yeah, onto yeah. something exactly. and I'm so glad you brought this up because you know when it comes to building products sometimes people think that minimum viable product is just like just push something out Mm. But how about you push something push something out so that people are willing to pay money for it, mm. um, yeah. rather than just pushing something out, yeah. right?
1: Um, but Exa- exactly right. But you know, I, I I do agree with that in some sense. Um, but also, like we came, we became focused on our product and realizing how important it was because we failed from our first line. You mm. know what I mean? I don't like I like I. I don't think that the perfect product exists. Mm. So therefore, if you're waiting around for it, then you're definitely launched too late, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I do like I, MVP, Minimum Viable Product is one thing, but you need to think like it's a minimum lovable product. You know? Mm. Oh, that's a good um, one. Yeah. What's, what's something that could potentially be loved if it's genuinely solving a problem or solving, you know, uh, or in billy Six's case hopefully filling some sort of you know hole in someone's wardrobe <laughs> 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 um so yeah a minimum lovable product but also just remember like for us we're so small in the fucking fashion industry you know yeah. we run 100 t-shirts and we get it wrong yes we want to drive repeat business you know what i mean but we're still going to get if we keep producing top content as long as we don't go broke we're going to be able to run and find other new customers mm. whilst we get this shit right mm. but luckily our family and friends are always backing us they're always going in and purchasing these products giving us feedback and we're really close to our customers as well yeah. that's also it's the same philosophy at Manpools. Yeah, you know people give us feedback we're the most customer centric team yeah. um and our product is not perfect no product is perfect you know yeah. you get it wrong and you you, you don't get packed pats on the back when you get it right you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. it looks like Growth in North Star metric—that's your pat on the back. Yeah. But when you get it wrong, fuck the industry can turn on you, can't they? You know, oh, yeah. they grab the pitchforks and they rally on social media. <laughs> yeah. You know, and this is a this this was a struggle in the early days of Magic Balls because we're building a really community-focused business. Yeah. But um, you know, being opus and open and honest with people—that hey, we do get these things wrong sometimes. The pet sitters were a little bit more forgiving. Yeah. And they understand, and they 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 don't people don't people don't want to see that. Um, especially in a marketplace model, they don't want to see that you're um. Uh, that you're just taking their feedback they want to see like action plan you know yeah, yeah. so if pet sitters like we actually have this open forum where pet sitters can submit feedback about the product oh, and nice. then we say alright guys we're looking at that we're looking at our you know potential roadmap and then this is how long it could potentially take yeah, yeah. sometimes if there's something that's coming like with lots of like a s- within a small space, we'll then like go to our community and say, "Hey, rank these between like one and five. What do you mm. think to be the most important to make you a better pet sitter?" Yeah. And they'll be like one, two, three, and that's sometimes it's so far yeah. away from what we believe would be important for pet sitters internally. Mm. Mm. But getting that feedback, like having that open book and that
2: uh, letting people submit that feedback, is you know, yeah. it's priceless. And yeah, yeah, it, it's it's really important because I, I remember you know back in the Air days, we used to actually have. um like, uh, what you call them, like events for the work, like the worker side. You know, obviously the the supplier side. So, like, we'd actually get them all together and you know, like, put yeah. on an event for them and kind of a show appreciation, but also get a lot of feedback as well. And I think exactly. that's really, really important because you do have. It's almost like having two customers. Like, you have obviously the ones that are um, you know paying you mm-hmm. to, to to for the job, and then there's the guys on the other end that are actually doing it, exactly. and they're just as important as each other. So mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, they're yeah. the they're the last line of defense, mm. not the last line of defense. They're the, they're the front line. Exactly. They're the people yeah. that are
1: fulfilling the service. If you have a shit experience with a Mad Paul's pet sitter because the Mad Paul's pet sitter sucked, you're not gonna go to another Mad Paul's pet sitter. Mm-hmm. You know? You're gonna think that they're all terrible. You may not even go to a competitor of Mad Paul's, right? Yeah. yeah. So it comes down to us verifying, validating, training these pet sitters in the right way yeah. but also giving them the right tools that they need to communicate with these people 100%. to break down those trust barriers you know yeah, um, and yeah that open book Like, I, there has been times when I've been, I've regretted being um, you know on a one to one communication with some pet sitters because they do tend to rattle on sometimes <laughs> but you know they're, they're so passionate they're yeah. so passionate about what they're doing mm. and ultimately Madpuls we're trying to make pet ownership easier and that's it what these guys are doing, but they're not really doing it. But by realizing it, all they're doing is caring for pets because they love it. Mm-hmm. They love animals. Um, so yeah, it makes it, it makes it a lot easier when when you hone in and remember that. Um, but you know, as I said, you you when you get some things wrong with product, you can you can. It, it feels a bit stressful it feels a bit daunting So, Mm. I I I wanted to ask you this because that came up just a couple seconds ago
0: in terms of like being super customer centric and having a forum for the pet sitters to actually talk and you know get feedback from them Um, do you have any other ways where you know you keep your team kind of accountable when it comes to talking to customers so that they're not too far they're not too far kind of away from customer feedback so that so that it's so that it becomes fictional
2: yeah
1: Well, yeah, it's, uh, you want to have this one, you want to have as much, as close interaction as you can, right? But at the same time, if everybody, if all 20,000 Madpolls pet sitters had a one-to-one communication, Mm. it would be impossible. Yeah. Mm. So one-to-many becomes the way that we communicate outwards. Yeah. But... You make sure it's very, very clear that people can submit feedback in a way that's going to be passed on. Yeah. Okay. And we're a very open team at at Madpaws. We um we have regular internal meetings with all departments, and we have you know pet sitter related meetings with the operations team, with the product team, the and the marketing team, uh just specifically focused on topics related to pet sitters and so forth. That's great. A lot of that is teamed in with feedback that we get. A lot of the feedback that we get is, like you pigeonhole to a specific set of like five or six power pet sitters yeah. who are known to provide quality feedback mm. you know so um yeah the channels that we use for all of those things it's it's everything it's it's all the social channels it's our uh, CRM tools that they can t- email us with and so forth so yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: there is the only reason why I ask is I kid you not I've spoken to this um, transportation company recently like a while ago they do software and then I asked the growth lead, "Hey, you know, does your PM talk to customers?" And they said, "No." And I said, "But why are your software PMs not talking to customers, but who are you building for?"
1: Yeah.
0: Right? So, I think that's um, I think it's really it's really good to hear it from you um, yeah. cuz there's a form of validation cuz we always knew that it's important to talk to our customers. Yeah. Um just to know, you know, is this the you know our our roadmap on track are we heading down the right direction are we like what are some of the hurdles that we need to
1: address on like marketing messaging and stuff like that um well i got something interesting for you on that topic yeah something very interesting that this is something that i i really in on the on the team yeah yeah (laughs) a little bit off topic and then i'll come back to that okay competitors wise we have three different types of competitors yeah? yeah we have People with a very similar business model to us mm-hmm. that have been around since the same time as we have. Yeah, we have the next tier, which is like dog kennels, boutique hotels. Mm. People that use the traditional way of going out and you know booking a kennel before they go away on holidays, drop the dog off, come back and whatnot. Dog may come back sick. Bless the industry. Um, anyway, <laughs> bless the industry. We're disrupting. Um, then you got the third tier, which is family and friends. Mm. People who don't trust a stranger, but also don't trust those those. Um, those those dog kennels you know mm-hmm. me i don't just like talking to our customers here. Yeah. if we're going to acquire new customers and we're going to evolve and become a m- massively commoditized product and drive change in the industry i'm talking to people who don't trust strangers Yeah, just like at Foodpanda I was talking to people who would pick up the phone and call a restaurant Mm. why are you calling a restaurant when you've got this app with this many this many restaurants available for you Yeah, what's your loyalty to them I'm talking to people who literally can't break down the barriers to to say like oh I would never trust that and so forth because those people we need to understand what their pain points are and we need to instill like a counter to those pain points within our brand. And that's what our brand needs to represent because then that's what, what we use to acquire people, yeah. you know? So it's just as important to talk to people who don't trust you, who don't like you, who say that? like, oh, I would never trust a stranger walking my dog. You're not, it's not a stranger walking your dog. It's a mad pause, verified, trusted, insured, and local pet sitter who is gonna do this better than you will ever do this. You know what, your dog's gonna have a better time. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I
0: think I think to expand on that point as well, I think that's really interesting because um, I think when uh when businesses or startups think about competition it's all about direct competition or very on tangent non-direct competitors Mm. um (laughs) but i think one of the biggest competitor that people tend to kind of throw away is non-consumption so very very much building on your point um, for people who don't trust strangers taking care of your dogs Um, the other the other point also is why aren't people consuming the service in general which is like Well, you know you have this pain. You know you hate picking up dog shit, or you know you know Mm. you hate washing your dog stuff like that. Why aren't you, you know, paying for that extra, yeah, just dollars so that you can, you know, get that time back? Exactly. Um, And I think also what's also really really interesting is for the people who churned, um, who have decided to switch, whatever the case might be. I think those are also really interesting customer interviews too. Yeah. Because it's like, well, like, I mean. Why did you decide to go somewhere else? Yeah. It's Ooh. not like they're that much better. Exactly. Or, or they could be cheaper. But is that mm-hmm. it? Like, I mean, what else? Who what else is there?
1: Who knows? I think there's there's an amazing book, right? Like everything you like, it's it's phenomenal when you get on the grassroots level and you talk to these people. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, you get a pen and a pad. You sit with them and you talk to them and stuff. But there's this amazing book called Crossing the Chasm. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Have you guys have heard of it? And yeah, I've it. They talk yeah. about the yeah. innovators, the early majority the late majority, late majority yeah. or whatever they are yeah. the, the cup graph is phenomenal you know and mm. then if you consider you're into there's 14 million dog owners on australia 40 million dogs in Australia yeah yeah if we put all 14 million on that graph and we look at our current numbers it yeah. just gives you so much insights into like how we are moving along and how mm. potentially we need to alter our message. Mm. That book um, that book, something it's every person who starts at Mad Pause in the marketing uh, and growth team is given that book to read. Yeah, um, that's and, great. Yeah, it's Can I suggest really, something yeah, as yeah, well? Sure. Uh, yes, please. Another book that we love to read that we've
0: always suggested to people to read is um, Professor Christensen's Competing Against Luck have, you heard, uh, of, have yeah. you heard of that yeah. one heard, you've heard yeah. of that one yeah, 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 yeah. Um, i haven't read of that because um, the competing against luck was all about um jobs, jobs to be done yeah. and modernizing jobs to be done and commercializing it his first book was all about innovation's dilemma which is very much uh, companies who go for everything um don't tend to do well yeah um, and what ends up happening is when you get so big you're unwilling to innovate um, because of your shareholders requirements you need yep. to grow in order to grow you need to suffer your internal rate of return and that yep. just doesn't work right yep. and then you have these guys like Paws and other people who attack a niche
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and they do them so well that eventually they will defeat the incumbents yeah. in that yeah. And so the second book and competing against Luck is where he expanded on that, where he said it's not it's not the it, it is about the pain point, but it's more so about the situation of the pain point that sure. dictates the solution. Like for example, me being twenty seven Asian and in this room with you right now have no causation in terms of why I decided to drink water versus something else. Sure. But me being like I'm having a bad cough yeah. and like and, and that kind of situation kind of force me to like oh you know don't don't do dumb shit and drink coffee and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. i just need to take care of myself right now yeah. so it's more situational and it's more about what are the push and pull forces towards driving you to a new solution yeah. and what's the existing habits and blockers from you know preventing you from trying something new yeah sure. so in the Map post example it would be very much like well what are the existing habits and blockers for me trying a, a pet caring service right yeah. like like why in a way why wouldn't I yeah um, mm. so that is I, I think it's a
1: yeah. like it's a phenomenal read yeah exactly that's it sounds amazing and it just touches on like how brands are like trying to inspire people to change their clothing and so forth mm. it's like once you f- can figure out that like adaption to your business model and do rigorous testing, it's gonna be like, it's next level what you're able to achieve. So very interested to jump onto the, jump and in, dive into those books. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely gonna read so. We
0: only have a couple of minutes with you uh, left and I remember when you walked into this room, you're like, oh, you know, there's some bullshit that needs to be called out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, sure. well, I, mean, I mean, like what are the most, at least in your experience so far, what are the most bullshit things you've ever heard when it comes to either growth or marketing? Um, and what are the things that at least you want to, you know, shed some light on, just so that the rest of us yeah. <laughs> don't... It's
1: a real not list a long list. But <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's so, look, it's, there's something that's really, really bothered me around oh. the industry of growth marketing, digital marketing, and it's that there's this, there's this thing and I think social media groups are great. You know, Sydney startups, phenomenal platform you get to see people on there posting their wins posting this and that yeah yeah. but I don't know if you've noticed but there's also this like uh, phenomenal networkers become lead referral like referrals Mm. from from people you know people are are providing referrals about brands or providing referrals about products or providing referrals about somebody as a consultant that yeah, they okay. haven't worked with, but they've met at three fucking events.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I see it every, yeah. I see, you see it every time, yeah. you know, and it's not a good, it's not a good thing for the industry. Hmm. I, I've actually, I've adapted a new way of providing a referral to people and it's because I've realized that I need to do this because you're, you're basically vouching for this person, right? Yeah. And I, if someone says, hey, can you introduce me to this person? Um, or do you know anyone who's doing this? I say, what problem are you trying to understand? And I think about from their side of view, okay, is this gonna be the best introduction for me to make? Mm. But then I ask the person who I'm referring them to, can I make an introduction to you They have this as a problem? I don't just say, hey, can you go do AdWords for this guy? Blah, 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 blah. Provide a little bit more detail. Because I'm seeing it, and it really irritates me, the fucking people who go to every single event, you know, and they talk, the talk, the talk, the talk, the talk, but they've never fucking done anything. Yes. Mm. But because they show face and they turn up at these places and they're so active in these communities and they're sharing all this stuff from different bloggers and doing all this and that, it's they all of a sudden get this sense of, oh, this guy's everywhere. He must be doing great. No, it's it's it's. I've actually I'm actually also associated with a digital marketing agency now with a uh, a friend of mine, and the amount of clients That have come on board, Mm. that have just been through people saying you need to work with these guys because they've been burnt. All right, and we have proposition marketing. You've never heard of it. Mm. We've never done a single marketing campaign up until about like uh, twelve. No, probably nine months ago. We didn't even have a website.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: we've got some of the biggest like on-demand businesses in Australia. Mm. Um, you know, that have been acquired by some massive corporations working mm. with us. Yeah. We've got some of the biggest fashion retailers in Australia with some of the most premium brands on our on our, uh, under our marketing wing. And like, we don't use that to leverage, but that just naturally happens. You know, mm, but the all these companies were originally burnt by somebody. <laughs> you know they mm. and I, it really bothers me now when I see in Sydney startups or any other um, uh, growth hackers group Melbourne startup business startups someone's like hey do you know anyone who knows um, is good with growth marketing or AdWords and stuff like that and I see the people that are tagging them Yeah. yeah. and I see the people that get tagged and I'm like fuck man I almost feel like it's my responsibility <laughs> to email this owner and it's like yeah. watch out because I've fixed some of the work that they fucked up mm. I've fixed some of the businesses and it's like it's really that people need to realize how much a business owner is needing help mm. what that means if they ask an open forum community for help that doesn't mean that they're looking for the best it means that they're fucking desperate for help
2: yeah, yeah right. I, I, I think i 100 percent agree with that like coming because you know dave and i own um a, a consultancy as well yeah every, pretty much every customer or potential client we've spoken with have all tried someone and been completely fucked over by them Mm. and then we have to one convince them that hey like digital marketing is not bullshit because they have this thing and what if it didn't work and these guys sucked and it just doesn't work so and then there's that and then there's also like well we got to like work harder to you know which which we do anyway but I mean it's kind of like this thing where you know they're gonna be on your back all the time because this happened and they're very you know unsure about trying you out but uh, the other thing that uh, I see a lot too and uh, you know I've had these conversations with people where you know, they have never done digital marketing before, they've done like one thing, <laughs> and then they're like, oh, you know what, Like, I think I'm gonna become a consultant. And I'm like, you've been doing digital marketing for two days, you know, like, yeah, d- why? You know, you're giving everyone else a bad name, and it's, I mean, it's you, those guys are actually causing these problems that we're trying to now exactly. go back and fix. It's so, scary, hey. It is. I get yeah. really
1: worried for, for some business owners, you know? I, mm. I think we're super worried. We're super worried
0: about like one, what is our boundary of our own capability yeah. Yeah. when we when we do execution work or when we consult? And two, it's how do we how do we stay sharp in yeah. terms of like our own skill set And three, also, um, I think I think it's like we, we definitely we, we don't want to head down to this route where we just become like guys who can talk the talk but no longer, understand walk the, walk. The, yeah. the execution because exactly. it's like it's like you know it's like having business people and engineers in the same room the business people are like oh you can release this feature in like two weeks can't you it's like, yeah. not that hard yeah, right yeah, yeah, and then engineers are like dude fuck off yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I have to que- like I have to do so much work just to get these like small widgets yeah. so I think we I think we've personally seen that like because of people being burnt Yeah. Um, it's kind of like ruining things for the rest of us because not only do we have to fix up the mess and the mess is usually the hard part yeah, it's not exactly. even the. it's not
2: even like it's untangling everything before you can even it's do all anything. the shit that yeah. they've done because
0: yeah. then they have juniors doing some dumb shit and yeah. then like it broke something yeah pixels broken something's broken and then you have to go fix it and it's just like oh look I'm not even adding value yet
2: I'm still have fixing the shit that you have Exactly. yeah um, Exactly, but I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, it's, I, it's, I'm glad it's not just me because yeah, like I've, I've had so many people that I spoke to over the years but they've just done things, started a, a small business that didn't go anywhere or something, and they're like, oh, you know what? Like I've done marketing, but now I'm going to become a consultant. I'm like, no, this, yeah. it's like don't do that. Yeah, dude,
1: exactly, and it, it does. It's it's incredibly scary, but I think like uh, the the upside to that is also like like as I said when I got back from Berlin, mm. companies are doing amazing things. Yeah, you know. And that's that's inspiring all these small business owners to do this cost effective way of marketing. Yeah. Um, but you know, unfortunately some people are getting burnt and everyone becomes a case study when something works, but no one becomes a case study if something doesn't go well. one last question before we wrap up. Sure. So,
0: um we I personally love the question of um, you know, when Peter Thiel asked, What's that one thing that you believe to be true that no one agrees with you on? What's your take on that? Um, or at least like.
1: What's you know, the one it? thing that I believe to be true? Look, I, I don't know, man. I don't really know what anyone else is doing because I don't really hone in on anyone. I have my advisors, yeah. my, my my mentors. Um, you know, we have Madpole's shareholders who all have feedback that they want to give and execute. It's an open book. I don't necessarily buy into too much marketing related stuff unless it's something i'm specifically trying to learn you yeah know? i think there's one thing that i've i've definitely learned i would say um around culture and the big mm. change in the last i would say probably two years mm. yeah. in culture in startups in any business in australia right mm. and people say oh there are people first culture and all this and that this is the culture that we have but one thing really struck me that i found interesting was when somebody was like oh Uh, I don't know this person was more of a culture fit than another person or that person used to provide so much more for the culture and stuff like that yeah yeah. like for me culture fit at a company is if the company's got their culture down packed then it's either zero percent or a hundred percent (laughs) there's no I I fifty percent past a culture fit (laughs) it's either somebody buys into what the culture that the company has hopefully it's a growth culture an open book culture a learning culture Different things like that—they're that going to drive growth. That's exactly what MadPaws is, right? But it's not a matter of ah, oh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't see myself, you know, being 100% involved in that culture. I, I don't really believe in doing all that kind of stuff. You, you buy, you buy into it, yeah. It's yeah, up to the yeah. companies to sell them the culture and stuff like that. So there's no such thing as. Um, uh, they. This person is probably twenty percent better at a culture fit, and uh, I think that p- companies and growth teams really need to hone in on that. That like, ultimately, the one thing you can provide to somebody when it comes to culture is a, a growth and a learning culture. Yeah. So yeah, make sure people are inspired, like you know, learning a lot, you know, of the right things and implementing in a practical way. But the most important thing after that is you know they can see the impact that they're having. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's again, that's a growth culture. Yeah. yeah. Look, thank you so much for like, thank you so so
0: much for coming today. We really really appreciate it. Hey, the mic is all yours. If there's anything that you want to tell our audience in terms of what you're working on or like Mad Pause, go crazy.
2: Yeah. Oh
1: mate, no, don't give me no for mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, ah, thanks for tuning in. I guess thanks for having me, boys. Please no uh, check out Mad Pause. Where you know we've done some fantastic things over the last four years. And a lot of people say it, but I really fucking mean this, and I'll look you both in the <laughs> eye, we are just getting started. we Great. got some awesome stuff happening over oh, the next 12 awesome, months. Um, yeah, if you're into Harleys and bikes, or if you have any sort of interest in it, check out
2: Billy Sixes. yeah? <laughs> yep. Um, Great. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thanks, mate.